Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships, so we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Today, uh, we're continuing in our series, I've Got Questions. And uh, the, the whole idea behind this series was we were taking some of the questions that some of you have shared with us as well that you struggle with or maybe uh, you struggle with before you came to Christ or maybe when you're talking to some non-Christian friends, these are questions they bring up that, that cause you to go, oh man, that's a great question. I don't, I'm not sure how to answer that. But I really believe at the heart of this is uh, these questions that really separate an unbelieving world from coming to faith because it's, it's hard for people to, to wrap their minds around it and just come up with an answer. And so if you were here last week, we kicked the series off by talking about the question, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? If that's something you struggle with, go back and listen to the, the uh, video from last week and, and hopefully that'll help you out a little bit. Today, uh, we're, we're approaching another tough, tough concrete question. I say concrete because there is truth to this, and we're going to get, get into this today. But the question that we're addressing today is this. Is Jesus the only way to God? Is Jesus really the only way to God? Are there other ways to get to him? And maybe you've heard this before, but it, you know, we, we have all this... Uh, I don't know, they have all these arguments out there in the world today. It's like, hey, there's many ways to God. It doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe in something. And maybe you've heard that from some of your coworkers or classmates, and you've struggled with that on, on how to answer those questions. And so today, we're going to dive into this. I want to show you, first of all, where this comes from. So grab your Bibles, head over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. When you get there, what you'll find out is it's toward the end of the book of John, which tells you that you've walked through the life of Christ and you're getting to the very end. And when you find Jesus and the disciples in John chapter 14, it is the night before he goes to the cross. They're sitting around a table and they're having a meal together. We call it the Last Supper, if that places it in context for you. And they're sitting there and they're having a conversation over this meal. And what Jesus tells his disciples is absolutely life-changing. It's, it's ground-shaking. It just changes everything for them. And they don't get it right away. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Starting in verse one, it says this. Don't let your tr- hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Now, 2,000 years removed, we read this, and we know what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about heaven. He's talking about eternity, that he's going to prepare a place, that that those who believe in him are going to be made right with God. And then when we die, we go from this life into eternal life, and we get to spend eternity uh, with God in his presence, exercising the gifts and things that he's given us. You think what you do now is amazing? Wait till you get to heaven, and you see those perfected. It's just incredible. It's not sitting on a cloud playing a harp. All right, God has stuff for us to do, and it's going to be absolutely incredible. But in this moment, when we read this, we understand that the disciples that are sitting there with Jesus, they don't get it. Like, they're not sure what he's talking about, because they're like, wait a minute, you're going somewhere? Aren't you going to be a king right here, right now? And what Jesus says next really confuses them here in verse 4. It says, you know the way to where I'm going. 
So what's he talking about? He's talking about eternity. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about being with God forever. And he says, you know the way that I'm going. And they're confused. Um, they, they still thought Jesus was going to be an earthly king. They thought that he was coming to overthrow the oppressive Roman Empire, that he was going to establish a, a kingdom right here on earth, that Jerusalem was going to be the throne for that kingdom. This is what was going through their mind. And, and I think in this moment, they're, being, they're confused and they have some questions. And that should be encouraging to all of us right now, right? Because if you think about it, these were men who had walked with Jesus spent every waking hour with him. They'd spent all the meals with him every day for three years. And they're still confused and they still have questions. And I I don't know about you, but I find that comforting. Because uh, even though I've been walking with Christ for a long time, there's still questions that come up. There's still things I'm wrestling with and and I'm not sure about. And and if that's you, then you should be encouraged by that. I want you to know if if you're confused, if you have questions, God is big enough to handle it. And he wants you to bring those questions to him. He can handle those things. But in this moment, the disciples are not getting it. And then finally, Thomas, uh, Thomas, who, by the way, later on is questioning whether Jesus rose from the grave or not. He's like, like, I don't believe it unless I can put my hands in his side and and touch his hands. I'm not going to get it right. And we gave him the nickname Doubting Thomas is what we call him all the time, which, by the way, shouldn't that be ours? I mean, that should be our nickname because we have doubts and we struggle as well. We have questions. It's not just Thomas. But I love Thomas because at least he's real with it, right? And he raises his hands and he's like, um, I got a question. And so in verse five, it says, no, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? And he's just being honest here. Like, what do you mean you're going somewhere? I thought you were here. I thought you were establishing your kingdom here. I, I don't understand what's happening. And at least Thomas speaks up. And I would encourage all of you, if you have questions, speak up. Take him to God. He can handle it. He'll answer those questions. But what Jesus says next to this question is something I think we need to let sink deep into our souls this morning. This is where this question comes from. Because Jesus' response is this. It says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He says, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you to be where I'm at. And you know the way. What was he talking about? He's like, you've been with me for three years. You know the way because you know me. And yet they don't get it. And Thomas speaks up and he's like, look, look, we don't know the way. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He doesn't say that I'm a way. Or I'm one of the ways. He doesn't say that. He says, I am the way. And no one can come to the Father except through me. Now, one of the guys that were sitting there that day uh, is Peter. And I think he was thinking of this scene later on in Acts chapter 4 when he would say this. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be what? Saved. Saved. What is he talking about? Saved. Is he talking about from your current situation, from the problems that are going on right now? Is that what he's talking about? No, he's talking about salvation. He's talking about reconciliation with God, redemption forever, eternity. That's what he's talking about. And many of us, we, we don't doubt Jesus' existence. I and mean, we see him as a, 
a historical figure. We know he was here. Some of us, we, we even acknowledge maybe Jesus is a good teacher. Maybe that's what we, but for many of us, um, when it comes to this subject, that Jesus is the only way to God, some of us stumble over that, right? We struggle with that. And maybe that's what you're dealing with today. And I want to address that today because I think it's such a critical thing for us to answer right here and right now. Because there are teachings all, uh, all across the internet, at our workplaces, in our schools, that, that tell you that there are many ways to God. They treat it like a bicycle wheel, you know, like God is the hub and all these spokes leading to the hub and it doesn't matter what you believe in, as long as you believe in something, everything's gonna lead you to God. And, and I just wanna tell you what Jesus said earlier and what Peter says here is that that is a lie. That there are not many ways to God, that there is only one way to God and it's through Jesus Christ himself. Now, the problem is, in our world today, we live in a world where pluralistic thinking and tolerance is held in high esteem. And anytime that you make a, a truth statement like this, they're going to wrestle with it and they're going to struggle with it. See, in our culture today, Jesus' claim to be the only way causes all kinds of issues for, for several reasons. And I've tried to break these into categories, and so I'm going to give you three categories. And then what I want to do is I want to address each one of them. So I, I think Jesus claimed to be the only way. First of all, we struggle with it because maybe some of you might think that it, it seems exclusive. That it's like we're going to circle the wagons. It's us four and no more, and we block everybody else out. Maybe you struggle with this claim that he's the only way to God because it seems intolerant. Like you're hoping that Christianity would be a little bit more tolerant, right? Or maybe you struggle with it because it seems unfair. Uh, whatever the situation is for you, here's what I want to do. I want to go through this and I want to answer all three of these. I want to address these and show you that Christianity is actually just the opposite of all of these things. Um, so let's, let's address the first one, that it seems exclusive. If you've ever thought that, uh, J. Herbert Cain wrote it this way. He said, it is safe to say the most offensive aspect of 20th century Christianity is its exclusiveness. Have you ever thought that Christianity was exclusive? Like it's, it's just a few people and we, we just kind of leave everybody else out? See, the truth is Christianity is the least complicated and I think the least Exclusive. It is the most inclusive religion in all of the world. And I hate to even call it a religion because it's not. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. But take any world religion, just do a study on them. I don't care if it's Buddhism, I don't care if it's Hinduism, Islam, Mormonism, atheism, it doesn't matter. All of them make exclusive claims, every one of them. Do you realize that the first pillar in Islam is that there is one God, Allah, and one prophet, Muhammad? And if you disagree with that, you're wrong. And guess what? That's grounds for beheading because you've rejected their God. You want to talk about exclusive, right? Uh, if you talk about atheism, atheism itself makes exclusive claims. It said there is no God. And if you believe in a God, then you're wrong. And you might think, well, I'm agnostic. You know, I'm playing middle of the road, right? No, agnosticism actually has exclusive claims as well because you're claiming that no one can know. And if somebody claims to know, then they're wrong. That's an exclusive claim. You know, and I think all of us know this just instinctively, that when you have multiple truth claims and they all conflict with each other, that that can't be right. You know that, right? 
Like, like all of them can't be true. If you have multiple truth claims and all of them are in conflict with each other, they can't all be true. Are you, are you with me? Like, I think we all know that, but we don't like saying that because we just, we want to be inclusive. We want everybody to be right. Well, the problem is when it comes to truth, there is one truth and you have to discern what is true. You have to discover what is true. Uh, why? Because it's critical for you to know truth because eternity depends on it. You need to be able to discern what is true. And in life, whether you like this or not, I want to tell you, there are foundational truths. There are. No matter what this world is telling you today, there are foundational truths. If you take 88 and you multiply it by 50, what do you get? 4,400. That's the answer. Every time. Can you believe that? Like every time you do that equation, it comes up the same answer. That's the correct answer. If you reverse it and you go, um, 4,400 divided by 88 equals what? 50. Every time. It's incredible. Now, if I told you, well, I don't really believe that. I I think it's more like, I don't know, maybe 48 or 52. What would you say? You're wrong. Or you'd say, show me your long division, right? How, How many of you grew up when you had to do long division? Remember that? Yeah, and you had to show the teacher your work. Remember that? What I found out is even in the long division, sometimes I would get it wrong, but I was still closer to the truth when I worked it out. But there was always one answer, and that was true, and everything else was not true. Now, Christianity doesn't claim that every aspect of every other religion is wrong. That's not what it claims. See, there are other religions that have truth in them that align with biblical truth. We, we acknowledge that. But what Christianity does say is that there is only one way to God. And it's through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. And that is the answer to the equation. You want the, the equation to life? It's Jesus Christ. He's the only one that leads to life and life to the fullest. I want to show you how Christianity, I believe, is the most inclusive. Because when you look at every other religion around the globe, they have this foundation. And every religion, their foundation is due. You have to work. You have to do good things. You have to earn your way to God. You have to work your way to be made right with God. And the problem with that is, how do you know if you're good enough? You don't know. And even the idea of just being good enough is counter to who God is. Because God is perfect. Nobody, nobody can work in such a way that they, have, they achieve perfection, right? And so we struggle with, when it comes to do, how do you know when you've done enough? It's kind of like your boss, if he walked in tomorrow and said, look, I'm going to fire you if you don't meet your quota. And your question would be what? What's my quota, right? And if he said, I'm not going to tell you, would that be a problem? Yeah. Would you have any peace? Would you be able to lay your head down at night and sleep? Well, no, you wouldn't because you would want to know, what's my quote, where am I at? Am I in, am I out, have I crossed the line? What's the deal, right? And you wouldn't know. And this is the problem with with many religions across the globe. Do, work yourself to God. Well, how do I know if I've done enough? And they can't tell you. But Christianity is a thousand percent different. Actually, the foundation to Christianity is not do, it's done. It's done. Because Jesus has already paid the price for you, for you to be connected to him. Uh, God loved you so much, he sent his son, and he paid the price that you couldn't pay, and he's already taken care of it, and then he offers it to you, get this, free. It's just offered to you. 
You don't have to do anything. Ephesians 2 says it this way. God saved you by his grace, not yours, his grace, when you what? Believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. It's not about how good you are. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus did. He's already paid for for our sins. He's taken care of it, and he offers it to us free. And all of us rely on the grace of God, on the goodness of God, who loved us and, and did it out of the love that he had for us. Not because you were so awesome or because what I could offer him. It's none of that. It's because of whose you are. Because you are created in the image of God and he loved you and so he sent his son. It'd be like two country clubs sitting side by side and you walked in the doors of one and and they had a big list there at the front that told you in order to become a a part of this club, you have to do these things and you have to dress this way and you have to talk this way and you have to live in this neighborhood. And then you went across the street to the other country club and this country club just said, hey, everyone's welcome. We invite everybody in. It doesn't matter, you know, color, sex. It doesn't matter if you like dogs or if you like cats. That's stretching it a little bit. But anyway, if, it doesn't matter. Everyone is included. Now, let me ask you this. Which country club would be exclusive? The one with all the rules, right? Because they would be excluding other people. See, Christianity's exclusivity is unmatched because its offer of salvation is open. Get this. To anyone, anywhere, at any time, free of charge. It's not exclusive. It's inclusive. Uh, what that means is you don't have to do anything. You simply accept someone. And who is that someone? Yeah, you're getting it now, right? Jesus, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I've taken care of it, and I offer it to you. Just receive it. Is it exclusive? No, it's unbelievably inclusive. Now, let's look at the second issue here, because uh, some uh, say it seems exclusive. Some just say it seems intolerant. Have you ever thought Christianity was intolerant? No. Let's, let's prevent, pretend for a minute. Um, let's say I have this really, really big house and exclusive neighborhood here in eastern Colorado, okay? I don't, but let's just pretend for a minute, okay? Play with me. And, and let's say uh, it's in a gated community and there's only one way in and you have to stop and there's a security guard there at, at the little house, you know, next to the gate and you have to check in to get to my house. And, and our family, we have a lot of family in Mississippi and in Texas. And let's say I decided to have a family reunion because my house is so big I can have everybody at my house. And so I invite them all up and I let them know because they're coming from 12, 1300 miles away, here's how you get here. Now, I know you guys can't drive without your phones, okay? But there was a day when you had to give directions. You used to say, and, and see, our family was, uh, we, we loved to eat. And so we would say, hey, go down to the KFC, take a left and go about three blocks, take a right at the Taco Bell. We gave directions according to eating places, okay? But this is how we got around. And if I called my family and they're 1,200, 1,300 miles away and I said, here's how you're going to get here. And when you get off the interstate, you need to go this direction, take this turn, this left, this right. And then you have to pull up to this gate because there's only one way in there. And you need to stop there and you need to talk to the security guard. Let them know you're with us and they're going to open the gate and they're going to let you in to our house. Now, if we gave them directions, do you think that that would be intolerant or tolerant? 
See, I, I think it's amazing. It's probably the most loving thing that we could do is to give them directions. Do you think that they would complain and go, there's only one way to your house? I want a different route. I want to come in a different way or I'm not coming. You think they would do that? No, they would be grateful that I gave them directions. Why? Because it would be the most loving and kind thing I could do for them. Otherwise, what happens? They're driving all over the place and they're just lost forever. Now, let me just... Let me just bring this home just a second, okay? God wants you home. There's a family reunion coming someday. And he wants everyone to be there. And not only does he give you directions, but but get this. This is what's crazy about this. He provided the way for you. Like he took the work out of it. He provided a way and gave you directions on how to get there. That is not intolerant. Like that's the most loving, kind thing that God could ever do. He provided a way through Jesus Christ and he gave you exact directions on how to get home. Some of you have been wandering for a very long time and it is time for you to come home. That's God's desire for you. And and instead of questioning there's only one way to God, we should be thankful that God loved us enough to provide a way. Instead of kicking back against it, we should just go, thank you, Jesus, and receive that. If you don't know, you have a God that loves you. He knew you even before you were born. It says that he knit you together. He knew every one of your days before it ever happened. And he loved you every step of the way. He's never left you. And he's always been with you. He loved you so much that he sent his son to earth. He lived a perfect life. And that son, Jesus, went to the cross. He had his body broken and his blood shed to pay a price that you couldn't pay, that I couldn't pay. To pay for our sins, our sins yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's paid for all of them. And not only that, but they placed him in a tomb and three days later, he rose again. And so when we receive him, when we place our faith in him and we declare him as as our Lord and Savior, what happens in that moment is we are forgiven of our sins and we receive eternal life through him. We get to come home. God gave up his only son for each of us. That's not intolerant. That's the most loving thing he could have ever done. Jesus being the only way is only intolerant if it's not true. If it is true, the most loving thing God could have ever done for us is to provide a way for us to come home and then give us the directions. And that's exactly what he did. Let's talk about the third one because I think some of you are okay. You know it's not exclusive and you know it's, it's not intolerant, but maybe you struggle because you think, well, it's a little unfair And when we talk about this, the argument always seems to go to, well, there's a a group of people, you know, out in the rainforest and they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, and we we struggle with that. Like, what do we do with those people? Like, when they die, do they go to hell? Do do they not have an opportunity to go to heaven because they didn't place their faith in Jesus? Is that the way it works? Because that seems really unfair and we struggle with that. And I think to answer this question, you need to know three things about God. First of all, God is good. And that's like the understatement of the century, right? Because God is beyond good. He is so good. He's beyond our imagination. Secondly, God is loving. 
He loves every one of us. And then thirdly, God makes himself known to each and every person. He makes himself known. Second Peter says it this way. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all of us to know Jesus Christ. He wants all of us to come home. And in Acts, Paul was speaking to a group of unbelievers and he said this, his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Do you remember when you were a kid growing up and you played hide and go seek? Remember that? And you'd go hide. You found this killer hiding spot that no one else knew about, right? And you could sit there and as long as you didn't say anything, like the person who was seeking you could walk right by you and they never saw you. Like you could have reached out and touched them and they couldn't, they couldn't find you. Remember that? That was awesome, man. Good days. Right? Can I say in life, it's the same way. God is seeking you. He's seeking every one of us. And in this life, we're the ones that hide, and God is the one that seeks. And it says he's not far from any one of us. He's right there. All you have to do is just reach out, and you'll touch him. And yet so many of us, we stay hidden. We just hide. For whatever reason, we stay hidden. But can I just say God never hides from anyone. He wants everyone to find him. He wants everyone to be reconciled to him. Listen to Jesus' own words in Luke chapter 19. For the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, came to what? Seek and what? Save those who are lost. He is seeking each and every one of us. And you need to know that every person who seeks God finds him. It says when we seek him, we will find him. All you have to do is just come out of hiding and go, God, I'm here. Meet with me. Uh, Romans chapter one says this. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. You realize creation reveals God? We, we are blessed to live in this state. Be able to look out on a clear day, see the whole front range, it's beautiful. Last night, I went back in the house, because did you see the sunset last night? It was amazing. Uh, it was beautiful. And I went back in, I'm like, hey babe, come out and check out the sunset. You know, and she's like, I'm washing dishes. And I'm trying to be romantic. I'm like, come on out. I'm washing dishes. She missed a beautiful sunset last night. But that reveals God. We just look around us. Creation itself reveals God. Our conscience reveals God. Do you realize that? Like nobody ever had to teach you right and, uh, right and wrong. You knew it. There's something within us. Not even talking about God's standard, talking about our own standard. Do we ever live up to our own standard? No, because we want to be better. We desire something better for ourselves. Our consciousness reveals, the fact that we can tell right from wrong reveals that there is a God. It testifies as to who God is. And any person who opens their eyes will find God. Every person who seeks God will find him. Now, you wouldn't believe the ways that God reveals himself to the people around us. Uh, all these different studies, they, you know, there, there's nations around the globe who are Muslim, like they run everything. And if you don't believe in Allah, if you don't assign to that, they, you're wrong, you're beheaded, they, they cast you out, right? Tortured, killed. 
And yet, even in those types of countries where there is no Bible and there is no church, you'll find people meeting together that believe in Jesus Christ. And you might go, well, how? How in the world did they hear about Jesus if there's no missionaries, there's no Bibles, there are no churches? And there was a study done. They found over 600 of them that had been meeting in secret, and they asked them, how did you know about Christ? And over 20% of them said Christ revealed himself to them through a dream or a vision. God is beyond anything we can imagine. He goes way out of his way to make himself known to the people that seek him. When you seek him, you will find him. And if you doubt that story, I just want to remind you uh, of Acts chapter 10, where there's a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius. And it says he's God-fearing, he's seeking God. And God gives him a vision and says, hey, send some people to go get Peter. And at the same time, God has given Peter a vision about this. And you know what happens? His whole household receives Christ and is baptized. Um, In our Western thinking, I think so often we forget how big God is. We forget how much he desires that everyone receive him, acknowledge him, and he wants a relationship with each and every one of us. Every person who seeks God will find him. And in this room, I will say this. Um, Our last text said that none of us have an excuse. And you might be thinking, well, I have an excuse. I really don't know God. I haven't heard about him. And I want to tell you, no, not anymore. You know why? Because I just told you. I just shared with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have a God who loves you, who created you, who knows you, who wants a relationship with you, and he sent his son to die for you, and he offers it to you free of charge. There's not a single person in here that can't say that they didn't know who Christ was. You you might think you're here by accident. You might think, well, just my neighbor invited me, and so I decided to show up. No. God has a plan in all this. You know what that means? That, that means that you have an almighty God that is reaching out to you and he's drawing you to him. You've been in hiding for way too long and it's time for you to step out to seek the one who seeks you. Now, what do you have to know in order to receive him? Well, you have to know John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, I believe there's two different groups of people in this room right now. Those of you that have never received Christ, and I would I just reiterate, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come out of hiding. It's time for you to acknowledge who Jesus is, that he is the way to, to God, that he's, he loves you, that he paid a price for you, that, that he wants a relationship with you, and to receive him as Lord and Savior today before you leave here today. If you don't know how to do that, talk to whoever it is that invited you, talk to So one of us as pastors, we'd be happy to share with you how you can receive Christ and begin this journey. We we desire that. God desires that. He's been seeking you, and it's time for you to come home. Uh, The second group, those of you that have already received Christ, um, I want you to know that what we talked about here today is foundational truth, that Jesus is the Savior. That he is the only way to God. And I want to encourage you in all boldness to go and share that message with somebody this week. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a classmate, whatever it is. But go and tell somebody this week about Jesus Christ because there are many people who need to hear this message. They're dying without it. Go and share this message with somebody. Jesus is the only way to God. Is that exclusive? No. It's the most inclusive statement 
in all of human history. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Is it intolerant? No. It's loving that God gave up his only son to provide a way for us to to come home and to give us those directions. Is it unfair? No. I think it's not unfair at all. I think God is seeking everyone, everywhere, at all times, and if we seek him, we will find him. That is the truth. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in this moment, Lord, acknowledging that there might be some in our midst that don't know you. I pray that today, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you are just drawing them closer to you. I pray that they would stop hiding, that they would seek you. Lord, for those of us that are walking with you, I pray that you would embolden us, that you would give us the strength and the courage to say something this week to the people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. Give us open doors. I I pray, especially for those in the room that may have never shared this before, would you give them the opportunity this week to just be used by you to reach those that you love that are far from you that need to come home. God, we just pray that in all these things you continue to mold and shape us into people that look more and more like you. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said.